everyone. This is Chris Miles here with Freedom Fast Track. We're on the Curriculum for Wealth call tonight, and we're going to have a special guest here I'm going to introduce in just a minute with, with Brandon Allen. Um, you know, Many of you have – I appreciate a lot of the feedback you give me, and, and I still appreciate any more feedback you might give for questions that you might have because a lot of the commonly asked questions are the type of questions we want to be able to address on these calls, just like the one we're doing tonight. And the one that you guys keep saying over and over, uh, keep asking again, is, okay, how do I – how do I really hire or how do I delegate? You know, how do I, how do I make sure I'm hiring the right team, the right people that really get behind my vision and my purpose and what I'm trying to accomplish? Because it feels like sometimes, especially, and I understand this, having been, you know, really been in that situation as well, is where you feel like you're trying to, you almost like feel like you're trying to drag people along with you. Sometimes you feel like you're trying to really in, inspire people to move forward with your vision and your, and your purpose and your passions. And sometimes it doesn't seem like they're moving at quite the same uh, intensity as you'd like them to. And that's one thing that we really want to address today is how can we do that better? How can we really start to help someone to be able to really get that fire and that passion that will go with you? How do you make sure you hire the right people? Because, you know, there's, there's one thing more costly than, than a really good employee that you might pay a good wage to, and that's hiring the wrong employee and then having to go hire another one anyways. And, uh, you know, so how do you make sure you have the right team members and people in the right seats of the bus? And that's exactly what we're addressing today with hiring and even your management and, uh, and some of the common common pitfalls that a lot of a lot of people fall into. And so uh, the person I want to introduce is Brandon. And Brandon, if you want to go ahead, go ahead and hit uh, star six on your phone. That'll unmute your phone. But, uh, you know, I've having known Brandon now for, I believe it's been about four four years or so since he's been with us in Fast Track. Uh, he actually came on with our COO of the company. And uh, and that was, you know, fantastic to have him, you know, have him in, our, in that position. And, and the, the one thing that's amazing is that not only is he, a business coach in the, the business fast track, as you might already know. But one thing you might not know is that he was also a manager of, of a very large financial institution. I won't name their names because I think Brandon wants me to keep them off the, keep them off the grid a little bit, at least for uh, who he worked for. But, keep, but in any case, uh, did an amazing job uh, managing them. At first, wasn't fantastic. I'm sure he'll tell you the story. It wasn't the, the easiest job. Uh, it was one of the lower producing branches, but he's able to turn around within a few years and Make it one of the best best producing departments in the company, and so so definitely uh, there's a lot of wisdom here. And I, I even attended the event that he did that was much longer on this topic, and one of the best events I've I've attended and got a lot out of it. So so definitely want to welcome Brennan Allen on here. You know, Brennan, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, just fine. Okay. So Brennan, uh, you know, so tell tell them a little bit more about yourself and just kind of you know, what you you know some of the things that you're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah, definitely. So as Chris mentioned, I remember the uh, the very first time I got a manager, uh, a, a management position, a, 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 an opportunity to lead people. I had about three people that worked for me. Um, I worked in a I worked in the retail financing and business financing, and and I was really excited. I just thought, sky's the limit. Um, I, I can't wait to make all these people uh, great on my way to CEO. Uh, by the time I left that company, uh, almost a decade later, I had had uh, I had moved to uh, a few different operations within the company, and I had had 20 people who reported to me by the time I had left. And so, um, you know, I understand what it takes to run a smaller team. I also understand what it takes to run a larger team. I know what it takes to run a uh, a team in a smaller business that's doing a small amount of revenue to a large company who's doing multi-millions of dollars in revenue. So um, that's kind of my background. I've, I've, got, uh, I've been through a lot of trainings on leadership and coaching through the Center for Management and Organizational Effectiveness. I've done a lot of time management uh, certifications and studies. Uh, I've done some work with Colby. Uh, many of you are familiar with the Colby test. Uh, doing some uh, certifications and trainings with the Colby Right Fit program, um, and so that it's definitely a passion for my of mine is is human performance and and really understanding that and developing that. So uh, I'm just really excited to to be talking about this because I love talking about it. Wow! So that's it, huh? Yep. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Okay. All right. Well, I, yeah. So. Chris, where do you want me to start? Yeah, let's let's start with hiring. You know, how how do you really screen for the right candidates? Because I know I, I get that question often, where you know people are looking for 
ways to hire the right people, obviously, because it's it, it is very expensive to hire the wrong ones. And so, what are yeah. you know, what are some of the ways you screen that, and what are some of the common mistakes that business owners might make that they can maybe reverse and and uh, do differently? Yeah. So when we look at and and we've got uh, we've probably got some chiropractors on the call who will appreciate this, but. When we look at hiring and we look at hiring issues, we don't just look at the symptoms. So, for instance, we don't just focus on is you know a bad hire or what these bad hires um, particularly look like, but we look at what are some of the root causes of uh, of a bad hire. And so, some of the most common mistakes that we make as business owners is number one is not understanding what it is that we value as a business owner. So, if you work with me. In the business fast track program, one of the one of the things that we'll talk about is is you know what is your mission? Why do you exist? What is your vision? Where do you want to go with your practice or your business or you know whatever venture that you're in? And what do you value? And the values part is very important because you want to bring employees in that share some of the core values that your company, that your business, that your practice uh, shares. And so. Having, uh, you know, having a great understanding of what you value will allow you to match other people who value some of the same things. And so when you understand what you value, then you can really ask yourself the question, what do you really need? And so a lot of times we make hiring decisions um, with regards to our business and we forget to ask, what are we really looking for? What do we need? When we hire people, what are some of the intangibles? Now, when it comes to running software or learning procedures or learning specific skills that are just specific to your job, those are things you can train and those are things that you can teach. But there's a, there's a handful of, of intangibles that you can't. And the, the, the importance is to ask questions and ask, okay, how can I elicit this response from this person in an interview? How can I get them to talk about that and demonstrate that value through what they've done in the past? And so really understanding what, what it is that you need and what it is that you value will really help you craft some of those questions. Now, in the hiring process, I'm not going to talk a lot today about where necessarily to go to get employees because we've got a lot of content to, to talk about. In, but I will mention this is that you know, there's a lot of different avenues that you can look for to get candidates. You can uh, go to career fairs. You can ask partners and business people that you trust uh, if they have anyone that they would recommend, you can solicit your uh, client base to see if anyone, any of those people who currently use your services can work for, uh, would be willing to work for you. You can look at, you can look at, um, you can look at your current uh, employees and ask them if they have any friends. One of the most popular and best employees that we got was from the share hire program that we had in our company where if you brought in a friend and you recommended them and they lasted six months with the company, um, you got paid a thousand bucks for recommending that person. And the great part was is that those were some of the best hires that we ever got was just from referrals from people who already worked for us. So there's a lot of different ways to, to get employees, but um, in, in looking at the hiring process, the mistake that we make a lot of times is we, we accept in the hiring process, we, we let certain things slide that we shouldn't. For instance, if someone shows up to an interview late, that's a deal breaker. Right then and there, I ask that person one or two questions just to say that I did the interview, and then I, I, I send them on their way. If someone can't take the time, and I know it's hard sometimes for people when they're not, they're, they're not used to being in the, in the interview process, but Chris, I'm sure you can appreciate this because I know I can when I graduated from college. Interviewing from jobs was a blood sport. I mean, it was just trying to get a job was just so important that if you can't put your best foot forward, especially in this economy, and be on time for an interview, that person warrants no consideration because they're not going to take any of the decisions that you make in your business as seriously uh, if they can't be on time. And I don't care what their excuse is. Um, some other things that we kind of forgive up front is, errors in their resume, if they have spelling errors, typos, uh, issues with format, any of those types of things, if they can't take the time to be that detail-oriented when it's about getting a job, I wouldn't even consider 
that particular person for uh, for a position. So though, there's some things there that we do just before the interview even starts that we can screen candidates better. But we sometimes we we let our we let our best judgment kind of go by the wayside, and we say, well, we'll give the person a shot. Maybe they can redeem themselves in the interview, and maybe they do. But then when they hi when you hire them, you understand why they were late to the interview and all those other things, and you thought, man, why did I even hire these people? So in the interview process, it's important to you need to make sure that you're selling you're not selling your company. It's not your job to sell them on why they should work for you. They need to sell you on why they're the right candidate for your position. But when I've seen hiring go wrong and screening go wrong is that you get so excited about what you have to offer that you show all your cards to a candidate and it, you make it very easy for them to impress you. And it should be very hard to impress you. And, and sometimes in that process we oversell our jobs. And uh, some of you listening today can think about times where you've oversold uh, position. And, and there's, there's a couple of different dangers for that. Uh, the first one is that when we oversell the position in the hiring process, we, we give people an inflated sense of, of expectation when they come in, and then when they come in, they realize that what, you know, they thought that everyone was going to be holding hands in a field, skipping along, singing songs, and what they really got is they're like, oh my gosh, we've got to work and this is hard. Um, the, the other part of that is that when we show our cards too soon in the interview process and we do all the talking, we end up showing our cards and we start really tipping our hand in what we're looking for. And so this is kind of a stupid example of what this looks like, but you can kind of get the idea where, uh, and I've seen this in interviews. I've literally, when I train people on interviews, they would say things like, you know, we really value hard work here. Are you a hard worker? And then, of course, the candidate would be like, yes, absolutely, I'm a hard worker. Or we really value integrity. Are you someone who has integrity? And then the candidate says, well, yeah, of course I have integrity. Now, a better way to answer that question is to say something like, hey, um, give me an example of the hardest you've ever worked in your life. What does that look like? And you can, then you'll get a sense for what their answers are if they're really someone who knows what hard work is about. Or, hey, show me a time where you show the utmost integrity when it was hard to do so. What does that look like for you? Paint the picture for me. Show me, how, show me how that looks. So I want someone to paint the picture for what that looks like. And I want them to give me real world examples. And this is why it's important to go back to values and what it is that you really want. So you can ask questions that bring those answers out of them and, and, and really do that. And so um, looking at that, I mean, those are some of kind of the, the mistakes that we make is, is we, we, we end up selling the prospect on the company and we set the wrong expectations for them, and then we don't ask the questions that allow us to discover what they're really about and, and what they do. So then we end up getting people who come in who aren't the right fit because they really don't have the skills that we want, and we've oversold them and oversold them on the position, so now their expectations are higher than they need to be. And I almost want to, I almost want to create kind of that, that same mentality that you would create for your customers or your patients and when, where you would, uh, almost uh, under-promise and over-deliver instead of over-promise and under-deliver. And the same thing is true with, with the company. I almost want people to be uh, you know, a little bit worried about their first day, and then when they come in, they realize, oh, wow, this is great. Yeah, this guy's, this guy's great. You know, I'll, I'll tell them things like, hey, I'm going to be tough on you. Um, I, I, I'm very demanding. I expect a high level. When you come in day one, I don't expect you to be new. I don't expect you to act new. Those types of things so they really know that, hey, this, the expectations are high here. I'm, I'm worried about that. And when they come in, they realize that you know, it's not nearly as, as taxing and difficult as it can be. But at the same time, you know, I'm under-promising and over-delivering once they get the job versus the other way around is what, what we typically do. So those are some kind of just some little tidbits on hiring that, Chris, I thought would be most relevant to uh, our audience today. That's excellent. I, I really appreciate a lot of those. That's uh, my, the one thing I can get as a common theme here is that really it comes back to the business owner. 
that it's 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 really it's not finding the right people it's being the right business owner to 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 be able to screen out and find the right person is that correct well it's just it's hiring with intention and really understanding what do i value what are the what are the skills that i value most what are the what are the attributes that i value most and now i need to craft a way to really bring that out of the candidate through the questions that i ask them so i can really get a, a feel for how it is that they operate given those specific scenarios and attributes how can i how can i allow them to demonstrate to me that they know how to do that excellent Awesome. So let's say that you find the right hire, or even several people. Let's say they've they've hired a few employees. Now, what would you recommend to make sure that you know, now they they've got the right standard? They uh, they've been overpromised, so you can overdeliver on it. And now you really want them to to get to work and to really be on that team. You know, what are what are some ways that people can now be better managers? You know, after yeah. They, so after they were so the hiring the, yeah. the hiring process is one is one point, Chris, and that's it's an important distinction. So. The reality is, is that you can make a good hire bad by how you manage that person. And, th and that sounds like there's a lot of pressure there, and there is a little bit. And I'll give you my own personal example. Chris, you had mentioned this at the beginning that uh, things weren't always a smooth road for me. And I remember my first manager assignment, and one of the, you know, some of the mistakes that you make as a manager and as a boss is that you think, I expect people to work like I do. I expect people to care like I care. I expect them to have the same amount of leadership that I have, the same vision, all those different things. But the reality is, is if they if they had your drive, your passion, and and your work ethic, they would probably be running their own business somewhere. They wouldn't be working for you. And that's not to say that they're not good people or good employees, but you know, that was the big misconception that I had is I expected everyone to be like me. And then when they weren't, I didn't know how to handle that. I, I, I would be overly demanding. I, I, I didn't really – and the, the reality was is I just didn't care about them. They were just a tool for my success. We weren't partners, and that's, that's the paradigm shift that I had to make. So after running an operation for about a year and a half, we were struggling. We, were, we had mediocre results so mediocre that I thought, I remember coming home one day and looking at my wife and saying, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired if something doesn't change. So I remember worrying about this, and it just so happened that my company had offered to fly me to, and I didn't live in Salt Lake at the time, but they flew me to Salt Lake uh, to do some certifications with the Center for Management and Organizational Effectiveness. And they had a few people from the company go do this. And I remember going in there, and I, you know, sometimes people go into a training and they don't take it seriously, especially when they're not looking for it. They kind of mock it and make fun of it. And I just remember being so uh, broken down by my, my poor management skills and the fact that my team literally hated me and they were underperforming that I was ready. I was just so open to hear whatever message they had. And they talked about coaching. And we learned about coaching, and I, and I just had a real paradigm shift in realizing that you know, people really are the assets of your business. They're really the assets of your success. When we talk about sole purpose, our sole purpose can't be fully realized by ourselves. We can't create the massive value that we're meant to create with our sole purpose if we don't have a sole purpose team behind us doing the work that they love to do and that they're engaged in doing that help us support the work that we love to do and that we are engaged in doing, and we're going to talk a little bit. Of, we're going to talk here in just a minute about delegation. But back to my story, I remember getting into that point where I just thought, "Oh my gosh, I just had a breakthrough." I'm like, "My people are assets. I need to coach them. I need to let them be them. I need to create that space." So I went back to my team and I said, "Look, I know that it hasn't been the best. I realize that I have failed you." Um, way more than you have failed me. And I'm going to change that, and we're going to take a different approach. And so I began instituting some of these, you know, some of the coaching principles and techniques that I learned. And, you know, it, it, it didn't all just take hold at first, but over time I stayed very diligent with what I was doing. And we went from being a mediocre office to where I was going to get fired to we were one of the best offices in, in just a year's time, one of the best offices in our whole region, which was uh, in eight states, and 
I got promoted. And I mean, literally with the same people that I had when I was mediocre. I, I made no changes in staff. Nothing changed except for me. And I was the catalyst for that. And I just realized that, you know, my team didn't suck. I sucked. And I needed to change the way that I interacted with them to really engage them at a deeper level. And so it was a real paradigm shift for me. So from a management standpoint, I really started to understand how much importance that I play in that space. Now, I know it can be difficult when, particularly for those people who are listening today who are chiropractors and dentists, it's very hard. There's a lot of pressure with management because you are the product of your business and you're also the owner of your business, and you have to wear those two different hats. And, and there is a fine balance to that. So we're going to talk a little bit today about just some simple techniques that you guys can utilize to be better managers and delegators, um, appreciating the fact that you don't have all the time in the world to manage um, and that you have to also get other things done beyond that. And so you know, with, with regards to management, it's just funny, though, when it comes to delegation, business owners, we're, we're just funny people sometimes. And I used to do this in the corporate world. I give someone a task, I would, and, and I would call it delegating, but it was really relegating. So the difference between relegation and delegation is delegating is giving someone uh, you know, the outcomes that you want and giving them some parameters and letting them work within those parameters. Most of us think we're delegating when we're relegating. And relegating is when, you know, Chris, if I come up to you and I say, Hey, Chris, can you fax this right now? Hey, Chris, can you run this report? Hey, Chris, can you, you know, where I'm just constantly giving you tasks. It's task after task after task. Um, I'm not asking you if you have time to do it. I'm not even respecting your time. I'm just saying, Chris, you've got to do this right now. Chris, you've got to do this right now. So uh, we've all worked for someone like that, and that can be very overwhelming, and some of us are those people. So the, the thing with delegation, though, is we give uh, someone a task, we delegate that, and then they don't do it right. So then we get frustrated. We throw up our hands. We're like, man, I, I, you know what? If you want something done right, Chris, what do you have to do if you want something done right? I do it myself. You've got to do it yourself, yes. right? But the problem is, is we try to wear too many hats in our business. And you know, if our business is a little bit smaller, we do have to wear multiple hats. But some of us wear eight, nine, ten hats. And that's just too many. And the analogy that I really like about delegation is it revolves around a computer. And if you were using a computer and your computer broke down, you wouldn't get mad and say, you know what, computers don't work. I'm just going to use a pen and paper for now um, because my computer didn't work right now. Um, so I'm just going to go back to using a pen and a, a paper because obviously using a computer is stupid. They don't work. What you would really do is you would take a look at your computer. You might play with some keys, look around, see what's going on. Um, and then you might uh, take it in and get fixed. And if it's not a fixable problem, you, you may try to find out what can be fixed. And then if you can't fix it, you may get a new computer. And the same thing is true with employees. You know, if, if, you, if you delegate them a task and you know, they can't get it done, you, know, you try to correct that action. And if you can't correct it if, it, if it becomes a repeatable offense over time, then you get a new employee. You don't throw your hands up and say, well, I'm just not going to delegate because you know, the delegation doesn't work. And so when you look at, you know, there's some, there's some simple things that I like to do to really get people engaged um, in the business and, and, what I, and what I'm doing with them. So one of the things is, is how, you know, ask yourself this question as you're listening to this. How well am I connecting with my team? How well do I connect with them? And, and there's something, Chris, with your permission, I'll, I'll send everyone after the call, and it's called uh, the Strengths Builder Exercise. And it's a set of 10 yeah. questions that really allow you to ask, uh, that really allow you to understand your employees at a deeper level. And so one of the things that I did when I came back to my employees is I thought, I really, you know, it's sad, you know, sometimes, and, and you know, for me, um, it was sad because I, I didn't know a lot about my team. I didn't know a lot about their spouses, their families. I just never talked to them about that, and I never connected with them. And so building that connection with your team is really important, and, and the Strengths Builder exercise is a great way to do that. Uh, the Strengths Builder exercise has a set of 10 questions, and one of the questions that's really important is, um, why do you work here or what keeps you here? 
Have you ever asked your employees that? Now, some people listening to this are terrified to ask their employees this question because you don't want to know the answer. Um, you know, why do you work here? You're afraid to hear what the answer is. What keeps you here? Okay, but this will really give you a window into uh, where this employee is at and, and what they really care about. Um, some other questions that, that come about with the Strengths Builder exercise is, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What's the best praise you've ever received? And don't worry about writing these down because I'm going to send these to you. Um, are you someone who needs who needs who will tell me how you're feeling, or do I have to ask? What are your long-term career goals? And so those are just some of the questions that you could ask. And you know these are important because a lot of times we assume we know what our team is great at, but there are things that your team is great at that we don't even know about because they're, they're, they can't show those strengths in the current role that they're playing. And we've all been in positions where we've been stifled a little bit and we're not able to really show our true skill and talent because we're not in the right job. We're not in the right position to allow us to do that. And so these questions really allow us to ask those questions. And I, and I want to know, I want to be able to get inside people's heads you know, why do you come to work? Uh, what are your goals? What, what are some personal aspirations that you have? I want to know these things because I want to use those uh, when I'm talking with people and I'm connecting with them. So other things that you can do to connect with your team besides, you know, have them fill this out and talk with them about it on a one-on-one -on -one basis, which is important, um, every once in a while take someone out for a coffee. Take someone out for a soda. Um, you know, in, you just, just five minutes. Five minutes, go get a coffee. Just chat with them for a minute. Hey, how you doing? How are things going? You know, just something that you know gives you some time to connect, and, and you can go buy them a coffee and do something nice with them. Um, some other managing the management tips is from a training standpoint. Uh, training is very important to keep your team engaged and to make sure those hires, those people that you hire, become long-term success stories. And typically, what happens in training is that we get someone new. We know we have to train them because they're new. So we have a specific process, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 60 days, maybe it's 90 days, where when they're new, you know, we have some training process to get them over the hump. Then once they kind of establish themselves and they know the ropes a little bit, we kind of step back and we stop training them. But one of the most effective things that you can do with your team is to train them on an ongoing basis. And I would say even train them on a weekly basis. Now, weekly, it's something that's very simple. And this was a process that we used that was very successful in training with our employees. And I did this when I had 20 employees, and I had other responsibilities. I, my main goal wasn't, or my primary objective wasn't necessarily to train employees. But um, I took 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes with employees, and I had them give me a specific topic that they wanted to train on. Now, um, I would just say, look, what is something you want to learn about this week? Where, what's an area that you want to improve on? And then we're going to take about 10 minutes this week, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to, I'm going to give you some training about it, some quick training. Then I'm going to let you give me an action plan on how you're going to implement this training. And then we're going to talk. You know, I'm going to, I want you to follow up with me and let me know how it's going. And so you know, we'll, create, you know, we'll talk about maybe some systems and processes and things like that if you have questions about how to best implement this. But for for, for most of the people on the call who only have one, two, three, or four employees, um, you know, we're talking you know, 45 minutes of your time each week to keep them engaged and keep, keep them going and keeping them improving. And so if you've ever read the book Drive by Daniel Pink, we talk about money motivators. Um, and money, money is not even in the top five all-time motivators for people, although it is in the top ten. I think it's seven or eight. But the top three motivators for people are purpose, which a lot of you in your industries, you certainly have a, a, a noble purpose for why it is that your business exists. So that's taken care of. People who work for you know, hey, this is what we do. This is the higher purpose that we serve, and that's great. So people are excited about that. The second thing is autonomy. So when we talk about delegation, people want autonomy. So when you're relegating and just giving them tasks, you're really not giving them any freedom to really create and get things done. You're just bombarding them with tasks. So they want autonomy. And the third thing is mastery. And this is where this training comes in. 
your, your employees, your team, they want to get better. They want mastery. They want to improve. They want to feel like they're growing in the role that they're in, however that may be. So how you put all this together is to realize one thing, and I mentioned it at the very beginning, is to realize that you're not just a manager. You're not just a boss. You're the coach of the team. And when you're coaching people, you want to coach for performance. So think about uh, any athletic situation that you may be familiar with and think about the coaching that goes along with that. Coaching is identifying blind spots that people have. Coaching is about holding people accountable. Um, your team wants to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable. Even the very best employees need to be held accountable. It's about training and making them better. It's about taking them from their goal, what are their goals, and taking them from point A to point B to really do that. So all those things are important for you as a coach. So when you're coaching, when, you, when, you're, when you're in your office, just think about that from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, is your, you know, are you thinking from a role of, of coach and, and are you putting yourself in that position? And a lot of times we don't think about that. And I think, Chris, uh, that training that you came to is when we talked about the coaching system and the coach training and, and what that whole thing looked like. So from a, from a management standpoint, you know, in, in delegating, um, you want to create a system in delegation ultimately where you do have, where you give people that autonomy because it's really important. You want to give people the ability to think and figure things out. And obviously you want to set parameters. So let's say that someone's in charge of marketing. You would want to let them know, hey, here's the budget. You can do some marketing, but here's the budget. You can't spend more than X. Um, you can also tell them, look, here are our values. So there are certain marketing techniques that I don't want you to do because they're just not congruent with our values. They're just not something that really speaks to our clientele. And so, you know, creating those value, you know, creating those parameters around here's what you can do, you know, here's you know, here's what you can't do. Now, you know, figure out here's the fence. You can run or you can run within this fence, but you can't go outside of the fence. If you do go outside of the fence, let's talk about it and see if that's a decision that we want to make together. But, you know, delegation is all about creating those parameters and really allowing them the freedom to make mistakes and to learn the best way to do things. And, and the, the funny thing is, is we're really reluctant to get rid of tasks, but then we realize that there are other people who are way more passionate about doing things, uh, certain things than we are, and they're better at it. So if we know, you know, realizing that, it, it's, it becomes much easier to hand over some of these different things that we don't hand, hand over and we, and we really hold tight to. And ultimately, what you want to be in, in a position of is every time you say yes to something that is not in alignment with your sole purpose, you're saying no to your sole purpose. And it, um, I know Garrett's talked about that a lot, and it's very true. And so one of the things that I would look at is what are the top five activities that you have as a business owner and, and really identify what are, those, what are the five things that I'm most engaged in and that bring the, the most value to my business? What are those top five activities? And then take a look at what are your least five activities? What are those five activities that, uh, you know, it might as well be like doing your taxes or, uh, you know, whatever those other things are that you hate doing? And how can you delegate those responsibilities and get rid of them? Because the more you can engage in your sole purpose and engage in the activities that are most valuable to your practice, the more profitable your practice is going to be. But if, if you get bogged down in the minutia of some of the day-to-day -day things that don't matter because you, don't, you can't delegate those things, then it becomes much more difficult to delegate that. So uh, that's a lot of information right there. Don't feel like you have to implement everything at the same time. But those are just some, some quick tips uh, around delegation and management. Excellent. So really, the, I would say like the, the action that they could take from this is identify those top five activities that bring the most value to their business and then the least five, right? And then yeah. find a way to delegate those least five activities to someone else. Yeah. So you know, to, just to kind of hone in the whole, all this information, because there is a lot of information that comes around with that, the, the biggest thing is it's important for the business owner to continually paint the big picture. 
and to share the vision. I don't know how many times that I talk with a business owner and I say, does your team know what your mission is? Does your team know what your vision is? Does your team understand uh, what you value as a business? And a lot of times the answer is no. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, is what are your objectives for your business? I mean, we didn't talk about management by objectives today because that's, that's a whole other call in and of itself. But what are the objectives? What is your, what is your business or practice want to accomplish? Do people know? And, the, and the, best thing, the best way to get people engaged is not only to share the vision and the, and the values and the mission of what the business wants to accomplish and the objectives, but then to show them what are the specific activities that you do as, a, as an employee that contribute to that objective, that contribute to that overall vision so that everyone feels like they're part of the big picture. And they know, uh, you know, a lot of times people work in their, and it's very easy for employees to just get caught up in task management. Um, they're just doing tasks, checking their email, filing things. Well, checking your email and filing, I mean, that doesn't, that's not anything that brings money to a business. So, you know, getting them, in, getting them engaged and really helping your team understand what are your five most important activities as a team member that when you do these five things over anything else, these contribute the most value to the practice by allowing us to get to our objectives and getting us that much closer to our overall vision. So again, to recap that, getting everyone bought in by sharing the vision and painting the big picture, and then showing them how their day-to-day -day work aligns with that bigger picture, and, and that, that what they do matters and it supports it. Yeah, that was a lot of information. That's excellent, Brent. I appreciate that. That was. I, I forgot to warn everyone that the fire hose was going to open up, but um, hopefully <laughs> I'm sure you've realized that by now. But listen, if you just did one thing different as a result of this and, and, and tried to implement one thing and got good at that, um, it would make all the difference. So don't feel like you have to do everything tomorrow because that's impossible. But what's one thing that would make the biggest impact on your business? What's the one thing that's the most lacking? out of those things that we talked about, and, and how can you change those things? Yeah, it's that principle of slight edge. You know, it's, it's that you're usually like one idea away from just having, you know, this big breakthrough. And if you could just take that one thing and just focus on that, and uh, definitely there's a lot of great nuggets here that everywhere from hiring to managing and delegating and, and everywhere in between. And uh, I, I definitely can tell, I can definitely tell with this subject, uh, not just from being at the event, but this is definitely something that is worthy of an, an entire event in and of itself. And I, I definitely would imagine that most on this call would agree with that too. So Definitely. All right, so, so at this time what I'm going to do is open up, open up the – any callers on this call right now to an, ask any questions of Brandon. Even make comments, maybe things that have worked for you and, and it worked effectively for your team, but as, as well as any questions that you might be able to relate back and, and ask more specifically of Brandon. So uh, to unmute your phone, go ahead and hit star six. And that should unmute your phone. Or actually, wait, is it star six? Yeah, I, I, think, yeah, yeah, I right. think you told me star six, yep. Yep. I, I say it so often, I start to wonder if it's actually true anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, hit star six on your phone to ask any questions or uh, make any comments of success stories that's worked for you. Hi, I have a question for you. Hey, can um, oh, yes. I don't know if you guys use the Colby A test and in your hiring process, and I just wondered if you could explain that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we do use the Colby A in our hiring process because, you know, how people conate um, is, you know, how, how people, what their method of operation is very important. And I'll give you an example of a time where I violated this and it came back to bite me. So I had someone take a Colby and they were going to be in a kind of an assistant administrator type position. And... You know, I really liked the person, and they, they were familiar with what we did, and I thought, wow, this, you know, this person would be a really good fit. But then they took their Colby, and their follow-through and their, their fact-find and follow-through were really low. And, and I shouldn't say low in, in that it's bad, but their number was on the, on the 1, 2, or 3 scale. It wasn't necessarily follow-through and fact-finding weren't really – very high on the on the list for them, especially their follow through was like a one or a two. And for someone who we wanted, um, there's another Colby test that you can have people take. It's called the Colby C, and it's they call it the right fit. 
So you can have people take the Colby A, and then you can run it through a set of parameters that you've set up through the Colby C, and the Colby C will tell you whether that person is a good candidate for your position based on what you need and the answers to their questions. And we had this person do that, and I remember we ignored it. And the one thing that was glaringly obvious to this person, in an assistant or an administrative role, getting back to people in a timely manner, following through on tasks is, I mean, the whole basis of that position. So we have used that, and it does come in handy because you can really see, um, you know, how people will work in a certain position and, and get a feel for that. And you can use their Colby C index uh, that Colby has to set up a, a set of parameters to kind of screen uh, employees through as well. So, yeah, it, it can be a handy tool that way for sure. Thank you. I would also add, too, that uh, you want to you be also careful of that. Like you don't want to go around advertising that, hey, uh, if you don't take this Colby or if you don't fit, then I'm not going to hire you um, just right. because there are some laws of discrimination. Uh, same thing yeah. with Myers-Briggs. Definitely do not tell people, hey, if you don't take the Myers-Briggs, I'm not going to hire you. That's, a, that's actually illegal. But yeah. you can definitely use it as a, way to, as a tool to uh, screen a little bit easier, be able to say, okay, well, this person is more likely going to be more successful than this other. If I had to pick between the two, who would I pick? And that's a completely different scenario. Yep, definitely. That's a great point, Chris. Yeah, great question. All right, other questions? I know there's got to be somebody out there that says, oh, I feel like I'm about ready to go self-employed. <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I I uh, agree with what uh, you guys are saying as far as, because um, uh, I've hired in, in, the, in the past a uh, number of people uh, over my years, and, uh, you know, I think, I think it's really important to, uh, as you folks uh, indicated, to really identify what you really want. Uh, I think that's so important because uh, sometimes uh, we do get caught up into uh, selling our businesses or, uh, or whatever, but, uh, you know, I think that real focus uh, that you mentioned uh, on what you really need, what you really want in that, in, uh, in that employee, uh, and what their duties are going to be, and then you can really find the skills that you need as well, and that all has to be identified prior to the interview process as well. And then that kind of helps to um, direct your, your questioning uh, so that you can draw out of them basically what, um, uh, what you're looking for in that, uh, in that employee. So I, you know, I agree with that, and I think that's really an important part of what you just said tonight. Great. Yeah, yeah that's great. Great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you can't – I don't think you could ever be uh, – I've, I've been in situations where I've hired without that clarity, not really knowing what I want. It's amazing the type of people I hired. <laughs> yeah, people that usually didn't last more than a couple months. And uh, definitely you've got you to be very clear on what you want. And, and uh, kind of like what Brandon mentioned as well, make sure that you don't, <laughs> you don't turn around and say, all right, well, here's, here's, a, you know, here's exactly the type of person I'm looking for. Are you that person? Because uh, I did that with my ex-wife, and it totally did not work with her either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man, that's uh, I don't know if that's a good example or not. But, um, you know, a couple things that I will say about that, and the reason why we don't ask what we really want is because we're busy. Uh, we're busy business owners. We have a lot on our plate, and there's a lot of pressure to, you know, get – just get someone hired. You know, you freak out. Someone leaves, and then you, the prospect of you doing all the activities and duties that that person who's leaving is doing is frightening. So you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to hurry and go get someone. And this is where, you know, some of the concepts of a power hour are so important to have that quiet time to think in your mental realm. What is it that I want? You know, what would the ideal candidate look like for me? And, and really spend some time and really flesh that out. And the, the other part of this, we talk about business habits in the business fast track, is, you know, a, are you spending that time working on your business? And I don't care how busy you are, if you don't spend some time to work on the strategy and high-level aspects of your business, it will never be as successful as it can be without that. And, and getting clear, that's a great time for you to get clear on 
what do I really want out of these different positions in my office, in my business, my practice, and you know what are some of those skills and, and things that I'm looking for along with that. So uh, you know, just to kind of pump up the power hour and that time and, and the time to work on a business, um, that's a great opportunity for you to do this because we don't do it because you know we know it's important, but it just you know life happens and things get in the way and we we feel like our backs are against the wall and uh, you know we just got to get something done and and so we kind of hurry through that. But just taking a step back, taking a deep breath taking some time and really thinking through that process will allow us to make uh, better decisions. We won't, uh, it won't keep you from, you know, it won't keep you from making bad hires because bad hires are going to happen, but it will minimize the times that you do make a bad hire. Great point. Hey, Brandon, I have a question for you too. Um, from the, a lot of the members that you've worked with, and I'm not saying to call out anybody specifically, but just as in general. Oh, I'm I'm naming names. What, uh, <laughs> especially if they're on the call. Um, yes. You know, like for example, um, what uh, you know, what do you usually see as a reason? Like, if if there's a high turnover rate inside the inside the, pr- the practice or the company, what is usually attributing to that? You know, is it is it a hiring process or is it something to do with management or is it both? What, what, yeah, what, I what, typically what? I, I typically look at management. If if there's a high turnover rate. Um, it's usually because the working conditions aren't ideal, and that typically stems back from the business owner or the manager of the particular operation. Okay, and uh, usually the hiring doesn't. They ask themselves yeah. to address it. Well, I, I mean, I think that you have to ask yourself: How are you engaging and managing your people? What kind of a, what kind of a culture and environment are you creating? And that's really what it comes down to. When you have a high turnover rate, there's probably some issues with culture. And, you know, people just really don't want to be there. And if they don't want to be there, the question is, okay, well, why don't they want to be there? And usually the common denominator is back to the business owner. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. But, yeah, when there's turnover, that's usually a management issue. When when people are constantly turning, um, that's beyond hiring. That's just, uh, you know, not creating the right culture and, and not and not getting people engaged. I mean, and you know, there may be some other reasons for that, but that's typically what the issue is. Okay, great. I appreciate that. All right, other questions. We got time for maybe one more. I have a, a quick question. Um, you know, one of the things about um, uh, maintaining and, and keeping employees um, uh, engaged. Sometimes, uh, of course, I, you know, it's, you, you had indicated about uh, management style and delegating rather than when you delegate it, you allow them to have the creativity uh, to problem solve. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess my, my question is, um, uh, what other kinds of uh, incentives uh, can you provide uh, employees to uh, kind of keep them on track and, and uh, keep them moving? Uh, not so not so much necessarily uh, financial, but just um, uh, other ideas that you have for uh, you know to engage uh, your employees so that they become stakeholders in your in your business as well. Yeah, that, that's a great question, and, and a couple other things um, that maybe are not. I mean, that maybe are monetary in nature, but small. You know, it's not just about bonusing and things like that, like you mentioned, but. You know, I used to love taking people out for sodas, getting them a coffee. People really love that. And then when you ask them about how they're doing and really talk to them on that level, I feel like people really are engaged in, in someone who just really seems invested. And, you know, some of it is how do you manage people as well. So, you know, the, the worst part is, 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 you know, looking at yourself as a coach, what I'm looking at with my employees is I want to pull them alongside of me and make them feel like we're walking together. And so, Sometimes when we confront people, we confront them in the wrong way where uh, we become very passive-aggressive. We don't confront you know, on a timely basis. Uh, we don't stay factual. So we, we, we call their character into question when we confront them. Um, and we're not specific about what it is that they're doing and what we want to change. So when you're coaching and training them, and, and part of that is 
you know, holding them accountable. Like I said, a good coach holds people accountable. And when you see someone uh, do something that they're not supposed to be doing, um, hey, let's talk about that. Let's, let's, let's talk privately about that. You don't engage them in, in front of everyone else. But there's also the flip side of that. When you see someone doing well, saying, hey, I noticed that you did that and be very specific. You know, just saying, hey, good job uh, is, not a, uh, is not good enough praise. But when you see them do something specific that you really like and that really reinforces the kind of culture that you want, point it out in front of the whole team. Say, hey, I noticed when you talked to Mr. So-and-so the other day and you told him this, I love that you did that. That is exactly the kind of thing that I want to see here. Um, you know, just words of encouragement a lot of times are, are a great way to keep them engaged, but also understanding their goals and helping them work towards their goals and get better, I, I think are, are great tools to keep them engaged and, and really show them that, you're, that you care and that you're a partner uh, in their life in, in some respects. Uh, also, you know, there's times where, where we kept it fun too, where sometimes if I saw someone doing something really good, I'd give them a scratch ticket. Or, or some kind of, uh, uh, I would go buy cheap movies at the at the five dollar bin, and I would pass you know just funny movies out to people. I mean just stuff like that where they, uh, you know, people were always like, oh, you know, when am I going to get the movies? And they were horrible movies too. I mean they were, they weren't good movies. I mean things like Howard the Duck and, uh, you know, things like that. And, but people people got jacked about it. They were you know they always wanted to see like what kind of goofy movie. Um, you know, or, or are we going to get, or, you know, what's, what's going to happen? So there's some things there that you can make that are spontaneous and fun um, and then create that culture of, uh, you know, that upbeat culture or whatever kind of culture that you're trying to create uh, in your particular business. So uh, those are some other ways that you can really engage people on a deeper level. Hey, Brandon, I'm, I'm still waiting to get my movie. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> All right. Great question. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, I appreciate your time. And, Brandon, definitely appreciate your time as well and uh, yeah. fascinating things. Um, as you mentioned, you're, uh, just go ahead and, and send, uh, send me the, the kind of the ten questions you were talking about earlier. Yeah, and yeah I'll send that document to you. Call recording. Oh, perfect. Yeah, when we send out the call recording, either it'll be tomorrow or by Monday at the latest, we'll go ahead and attach that to the email that has a copy of this recording so then everybody can – go back and review the call and, and also be able to uh, go through and ask some of these questions or answer some of these questions. So Definitely. again, Brendan, thank you so much. Amazing topic. I uh, really appreciate it. And everybody else, you know, thank you for asking these questions because it makes this, these calls very valuable. So uh, keep those questions coming. Email me, cmiles at freeandfastart.com for anything else and, and uh, make it a wonderful evening. <laughs>